Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by an All-Star, a 10-year MLB vet, and currently an analyst on MLB Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Yonder Alonzo. Yonder, thanks for joining me on the Boone Podcast. Yeah, man. You know, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Obviously, I was a big fan of you when you played and your bat flips. And you know, you were like the creator of the bat flip. And I will go there and go that route. But uh, just loved everything about you, your game, and uh, just the person that you are. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. You a bat flip guy? Because I went from I was, a bat flip guy to the current bat flip, I don't like them. They're too premeditated. What do you think? Yeah, I was uh, I was a I would hit them. I would finish with two hands. Um, you know, I came up so so old school with old school guys that when I was a rookie in Cincinnati, I had like Miguel Cairo, Ramon Hernandez. Um, they they were not having that. Like they're like, hey rookie, like you hit it and you run. And plus, I wasn't really a fast burner, so if I would hit a ball and I was kind of like, is it a homer or not? I needed to go. I wasn't that fast. So, uh, you know, it is what it is in today's day and age. I think people have grown to just accept it. But, um, yeah, I was more of just a smooth killer, just hit them and, you know, kind of <laughs> maybe like a one or two step, and then I got to run. <laughs> right, right. Um, you're a hurricane. I I'm am. A, I'm a Trojan, okay? And I'm – Yeah. <clears throat> my brother's a bigger Trojan than me. I mean, he's the guy on Saturday. He's got his – He's got his SC garb on, his front of the TV. He's got the fight song playing. He's one of those guys. I'm more the casual. Yeah, I went to USC. I, I, support, I support USC. I went to the game the other night. Uh, they played U of A, and it was three overtime. So it was actually fun. I got to go to the park and or, or go to the Coliseum and, and uh, watch a game from the sidelines. I got to bring my dad. But tell me, you know, I – I, I like this, especially guys from University of Miami, the U, they call it. We had Pat the Bat on recently. He's a U guy. Yeah. And something about that Miami, uh, what makes it so special? You know, similar, a lot of similarities at USC, um, you know, especially like talking to, to guys that, that either have gone to USC or are fans of USC or live close to the program or work out around there. Um, it reminds me of like, Miami's like the USC of, of California, right? And USC's the Miami uh, of California. It, it just feels like that. Um, but, you know, I think for Miami, it's us against the world. I mean, people don't realize there's only 10,000 students there at, at, at Miami. So it's a very small university, uh, but with a lot of tradition, a lot of athletic tradition as well. And, you know, I remember when I was there in Miami in baseball, it, it was lit literally, it was us against the world. That was the mentality. And, uh, you know, you have a bunch of kids, whether it's in football, basketball, baseball, or any program that they have there that, you know, come from, from places like low-income families. And, and, you know, a lot of uh, whether it's the Cubans or the Dominicans or the Puerto Ricans, people that come from other uh, cultures of the world, they get to go to an experience, a school like, like Miami. And, and for them, it's just a, a, a door that has been open to hopefully uh, find your way of life and, and, and make it up better. Does it transcend beyond the U? 
for the sports, the Dolphins. Dolphins are good this year. You're, uh, yeah, man. I, are you I excited think when the Marlins got in? Did you get excited about yeah, that? Yeah, I was excited. <laughs> you know, here's 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 the funny thing about that is that, um, like it, it, anybody that's ever been to Miami, like you wake up in the morning and it, and it's a it's a hustler's world. You know, like that yeah. city of Miami. You wake up at six in the morning and you got to grind, right? The, everything's expensive in Miami, just like it is everywhere in the U.S. But you know, in Miami, it's it's either is is you gotta you gotta work to eat and, and you gotta work to provide and you know any extra I can get, it's always welcome. And I think that's kind of the mindset that you know, number one, our parents put in in us and or the city of Miami or people in Miami. But definitely, at least from my end, you know, my my mom and dad, they would leave at six in the morning to go work. I would take the school bus and I wouldn't see my parents till six o'clock at night, right? So. Like, where you guys been? Well, we've been working because we have to afford, you know, a box of pizza for you guys or we have to afford rent or we have to afford, you know, those, maybe that that nice uh, pair of shoes that you want for Christmas for, you know, for, for one pair of shoes because I, I didn't have six or seven or, or eight or ten, right? I had one pair of shoes, one sneakers for school, and that was it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you see that with a lot of people in Miami and South Florida. Just the, the work ethic has always been there, and, and it's just – I'm going to go get it attitude. Real interesting aspect of your life. Uh, and by the way, I got to tell you this. So yeah. I've got these. So it's funny. You you mentioned USC. I just realized right now, but my buddy, so Miami's an Adidas school, which personally myself, I, when right, I went right. to Miami, I was a Nike, I was a Nike school. Mm-hmm. So I love Nike, right? When I played, it was all Nike. And my, my buddy, we had a bet going about Miami and USC. Um, and he he gave me USC sandals. Wow! So this is what I wear. I actually wear USC sandals, and nobody knows. Nobody knows until right now that they're the most comfortable <laughs> sandals in the game. And I just can't wear Adidas sandals because. And I would love to wear Miami sandals, but in reference to it, I have a Miami team, and then I have my California team, and that's USC. So right on, baby. That a baby. Uh, <laughs> Real interesting aspect of your life. You were born in Cuba. Uh, yeah. I've had many talks with one of my, I'll disclose this. One of my favorite players um, when I was a kid was Tony Perez. And to this day, he's still, you know, I, I ended up being uh, a teammate of Eduardo's for a minute in Cincinnati. But Tony, when I was in Cincinnati, Tony would always come around, and I love him. And to this day, he's one of the characters of baseball, and he told me many stories about about Cuba. I got to go over there in 1989 uh, and represent Team USA, and it was really eye-opening to me. So so you went with with Frank Thomas? Nope. He's before me. Frank was before Before. me. It wasn't a a, – it wasn't an Olympic year. I think it was like whatever it was, the Pan Am games or yep, whatever yep. it was. So uh, we went over there in 89 and, you know, the whole thing. Fidel was there and and I got kind of eye opening because back then it was very rare for for Americans to go to Cuba unless it was a special situation. We we're playing Team Cuba. By the way, we got there. You know, we're kind of pretty confident bunch we get there we're watching team cuba warm up and we're like we're gonna kick their ass they beat us yonder like <laughs> it was men playing with boys and that was the back in the days of lenaris was at third base oh and, man what a player for, yeah and he, Herm- he would Herman, have, he, Herman yeah. was a shortstop yeah there was a big uh he was a veteran at the time but he was kind of the 
the goofball of the group. I forget his name. He's a famous guy in Cuba. Anyway, they gave us a beating. It was one of those run rules. And then, I mean, they had their second string in and still boat racing us. And we left Cuba with our head spinning. But what uh, what an experience. Um, what do you remember about your childhood in Cuba? I know you came to the States in 96, but what do you remember as a younger, uh, as a young yonder Alonzo? Well, you know, my, my parent, my dad played ball there. Um, and yeah. he probably played, he probably played ball in, in the same stadium that you probably played, uh, when you went there, which is, uh, in Havana, Los Indutriales. Uh, they're basically like the Yankees of, of Cuba. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, my childhood was incredible there, right? It, it was, there's, but it was that old school childhood. Just imagine Cuba, like the 1940s and 50s, where you only have two channels on TV. One is propaganda, government style. The other one is whatever they want to put on, right? They control it all. So a lot of the times you, you're just outside playing ball with your friends. The only sport is baseball. Yeah. So whether it's manhunt, baseball, maybe a little soccer, because the World Cup was always uh, in the realms of it. And, and Cuba would always have it on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very simple for us, right? It was, my mom was, was very adamant in, you know, when the sun goes up, you can go outside, but when the sun comes down, you better be home. And it was around the area. I was always around the block. My dad was very known, uh, where we lived at. So, um, everybody knew who I was, everybody, you know, the culture there is, you know, if my neighbor sees me doing something wrong, you can smack him. And it's okay. And then we'll deal with it later with mom. So it was one of those things where the culture and the way you behave, the way you do things uh, is very proper at all times. But, you know, it, I was I was lucky. I will say that I was blessed that my dad had the uh, opportunity to be just a little bit above of the, the regular people there. And what I mean by that is, you know, we had we had food on the table at night, you know, so we would drink a little uh, or we would have our breakfast and we would have some type of lunch, small lunch, but we always had food uh you know at night and and my mom's dad uh lived in the u.s so he would send us you know a pair of shoes here and there or a couple t-shirts here and there right so my dad also traveled with the team uh with baseball so so he was always able to get us you know soap or toilet paper or just like these little things that really go unnoticed um and my dad just hustled right like he would go to the farms uh in the outstakes of uh of havana and and bring lemons and onions and you know, avocados and potatoes and, you know, all these veggies and, and, and we would sell them to the streets. So it was more of, hey, I'll give you a, a row, of, you know, I'll give you a dozen lemons. Well, then you give us, uh, you know, bread or, or maybe, you know, a pound of chicken or maybe you can. So it was always a hustling uh, move, which was illegal, by the way. I mean, if they would catch you with a bag of onions or a bag of lemons, my dad would go to jail for 10 years. So it was a hustling move. And that's that's where I learned it from. And that's kind of the work ethic that I that I enshrined in it with my, my dad and my mom. And it was always about, you know, your kid providing for your kids and providing for your family. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And I do know, I mean, over there, baseball is everything. That is oh, the, yeah. the thing. So your dad being a player, uh, I assume at a young age, you kind of thought, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to be like dad. 
Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I, I think for me, it was uh, it was very simple. It wasn't just my dad, like my uncle played, my godfather played. So um, everything was baseball. Everything was surrounded by baseball. And, you know, I think for me, from an early age, you know, it's funny, I, I always talk to kids. Right? And I always uh, I always tell them, like, you know, around 10 years old, you should know what you want to do. You should know if you want to play baseball in the big leagues or not. And, it, and if you don't have that mindset of I'm going to play in the big leagues at 10, 11 years old, then probably baseball is not for you because the amount of sacrifice you have to provide at a young age, it, it's, it's immense, right? It, it's, it's priceless. And that's what I wanted to do. As soon as I got to the States I, here in the U.S., I, I knew the opportunity, what, the opportunity I had. Like there, there wasn't no basketball for me. There was no football for me. It was if my parents just came here and they are, are sacrificing everything, right? Because we came here to this country with no family, no cousins, no aunts, no nothing. And it was like, well, I'm the only one that can get them out of this hole, right? I'm the only one that can provide. I'm the only one. And that was at 10 years old. So my mindset at a 10-year-old uh, kid was probably more into a 16, 17, 18-year-old. And I think that was because of my parents. Um, they, they said, hey, we're in this country. We're by ourselves. And you know, we're going to work every single day to, to get you guys by, but basically left it up, or I, I guess myself, uh, left it up to, up to me and my sister and, and more me because I was the older one to say, well, I, I'm the one that's going to, you know, take them to another level or, or maybe provide for them in the near future. And that was kind of the mindset just because of the way I live in Cuba. Big contingent of, of uh, Cuban ballplayers now in the big leagues. Uh, oh, yeah, make, man. How's that make you feel? So yesterday I was on MLB Tonight, and mm -hmm. it was me, Greg Amsinger, and Chris Young. And it was so cool to see, uh, you know, the Cubans having the success, right? Adolis Garcia, uh, Abreu doing his thing. Jordan Alvarez doing his thing as well. Um, it's just so cool to see. Um, you know, you, there's not that many of us. I mean, people think, like, you know, Cuban players, and, and it's getting better. But yeah. we're not like the Venezuelans. We're not like the Puerto Ricans. We're not like the Dominicans. I mean, the Dominicans are like, there's like 160 of them in the biggies, right? So um, it, it's so cool to watch these guys. There's not that many of us, but the quality we provide on the field is, is you know, A-plus quality. And, and I think the, the humans and the players that they are, but the persons that they are, is what really makes them unique. Uh, you, you talk to any of these guys and or you talk to any other teammates of them and they're like, man, what a great dude or, or what a hard worker, or, you know, always understands what, what it takes to, to win, uh, to win on a daily basis in the big league. So it's super cool to watch. And you did it. You lived the dream. Uh, you had a great career. You played 10 years, started with since he ended with the rock as your all-star in 2017, uh, out of the U seventh overall pick. And yeah, uh, look at you now on, on MLB <laughs> network. I want to jump. Uh, I want to jump it in the postseason. We had uh, we had one of your colleagues on yesterday, actually, uh, Robert Flores, mm -hmm. and uh, I got his take. I got his breakdown. I, I love having you on because you. I know you're on the ground floor and you're watching every game you can watch. And yeah, and I get sick of hearing myself talk about my breakdown. And I'm right sometimes, and I'm wrong sometimes. Let's start off with that wild card race beginning the three game series, which I think, you know, as a player, it's tough because you play yeah. 162 game season and all of a sudden <clears throat> you lose that first game in a three game set. Your back's against the wall right away. And and I look at a Tampa Bay type scenario where they won 99 games. They didn't just creep in. They won yeah. 99 games and they got 
they kind of self-imploded. You know, they made a lot of errors yeah. and they got swept by Texas one, two. But let's go over the uh, the four sweeps coming into this current set of playoffs. Were you surprised by that? For me, it was the, the big story there was was Arizona and what they're doing even to this day. Yeah, I think the Arizona one really, really has done a, a, a hit on people. I, I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. I personally did. I, I, I watched the Padres daily. I watched that division daily. And I've seen for the past couple of years how it's been very hard to win in Arizona. And, and sure, people can say like, oh, you know, it's, it's a, there's a lot of Dodger fans that will go to the stadium. There's a lot of Padres fans that will go to the stadium. I don't care. In between those lines, you're the Diamondbacks and you're the opposing team. And that's how a player sees it. They, they can be playing in a backyard or they can be playing in front of 60,000. It's me against you. And the pitching that team has and, you know, with, with the back end of it as well and, and, and Seawall closing the door out. I mean, he's nasty, man. He's it, – it's incredible how Seattle – My Mariners gave – my Mariners gave him up. They just gave him up. It, it, it's, like, it, it's like, what are we doing here? And, you know, I, that's a whole other story with the Mariners situation. Right. But, um, it, you know, I, I really enjoy what they do, these young dudes. And, you know, it, it doesn't get talked about enough. But I think the veterans of that team, man, um, have done an excellent job with the young dudes. And, you know, anybody can say, like, in the offseason, in, in the postseason, you need experience. Well, you need good veterans that are going to teach the young guys the experience because you can only become an experienced player by going through it. You know, um, so I, I really feel like those guys, the trades they've made, Ludus Gurriel, Moreno, Tommy Pham, they, they've really worked out. They've all worked out. Um, so, so I, I, I really give him credit. Uh, Lovello has done an incredible job. You know, he's the winningest manager in Arizona Diamondbacks history. And, and, and you know, I, I would think he's going to be there for a long time. Um, but Zach Gallen has been incredible. Murrow Kelly was just absolute filth. And you know what? They've gotten the Dodgers, like right now, they've gotten the Dodgers in a situation where it's, they, they've thrown the first punch and, and now they got you in the corner and, and they're just wailing on you. I mean, I, I personally just don't see it uh, getting past today, tonight. I, I don't see it. I, I think Lance Lynn has given up the long ball a lot. You know, I think Dave Roberts has done an incredible job with uh, kind of controlling the bullpen. He did a great job uh, just the other day in game two by get leaving the game for nothing. You know, the way he handled the bullpen, it was a 4 nothing game with a chance to win. That's what he did because the way it was looking, it looked like another 11-2-2. Yeah, right, kind of right, right, when he went to Gratterall right away. When he went to Gratterall, right, I was right. like, why are you going to Gratterall so early? Right. He had a plan, but now these guys are, you know, you, you're talking about a season where they've thrown a lot of innings, right? They, they Their starting pitching has really let them down all year with the Dodgers. So they, they've needed them a lot. And I think at this point in the season, it's really wearing and tearing on them. Um, they still got the dudes, but I, I just think the Diamondbacks right now, they're so hot, man. And, and when you look at the wild card, it just feels like every year the, the wild card teams are, are, are really throwing punches. And once yeah. again, the National League is absolutely stacked. I mean, when you look at this postseason, like, yeah, you can say the Rangers are pretty good. You know, you can say, obviously, Houston and Minnesota, they're still going back and forth. But when you look at the Nationals, the national teams, you got the Braves, you got the Phillies, you got the Diamondbacks. I mean, it, you can take your pick. Who do you really want to face? And is any of those teams from the American League, can they beat the National League? It's just, it's just hard. It's just really, really, really hard to see. I thought going into the postseason, I looked at the group of uh, American League at, at the beginning when we had the six. 
And the difference I saw between the I think the best National League teams, I'm with you. I think a Braves, a Philly, uh, that type of team, Dodgers even at the time before the playoffs started, I thought it's really going to be tough to beat the National League this year. But I thought from uh, uh, those six teams, it wouldn't have surprised me if any one of the American League teams, I mean, it surprised me that Toronto got swept so easily in me the first too. round. I you know, uh, Tampa Bay was really disappointing how that wasn't even a series. I mean, that was, that was over from the get go. Um, going well, back and, and, and to talk and to talk about what the Rangers did in Tampa. Right. I, I mean, prior to that, you know, they, they went, they went from Texas to LA, LA, Seattle, right. Are you going to win the division or not? You think you are, you got to, right. How about last day of the season against America? You get swept. Yeah. You get swept and then you don't win the division. Right, and, and you go from a buy to getting on a plane to go to yes, Tampa Bay. yeah, yes, that that eight thousand miles. They they flew eight thousand miles. They weren't home for thirteen days. I mean, what you know how it is. What that does to your body. What it's such a grind. But you look at Bochi. You look at Marcus Simeon, Seager. Like these dudes, Adolis Garcia. You look at these dudes, man. And it's just it's the it's the. They're grinders. Like they don't, they don't mob, they don't whine. Like I play with Marcus. He he doesn't whine about anything. He's just like, you know what? This is what we got. Let's just let's just kick ass, you know? Yeah, I think I think Bochi's a, a real factor. He's just such a calming oh, yes. calming presence. Uh, presence. I played for him one year in two thousand. Love Boch. Um, but you're right. This this Carter kids come along, and and the poise Ooh. of that twenty one year old that he's showing. I think that that. Starting rotation is going to be okay. I think the unsung heroes kind of been a Montgomery. Scherzer was the big prize at the trade deadline. You kind of snuck Montgomery in behind him. He's been awesome down the stretch for them. Evalde's turning into a bona fide stud at the top of that rotation. It's going to be yes. interesting to find out with this break that Texas has. You know, it affords them a, a five day break because of because they just swept the Baltimore Orioles to see if a Max Scherzer is going to come back. That's going to be really interesting. Only thing I worry about Texas is late in that bullpen. It's been kind of their weak link all year. LeClerc's doing great at the end, but, but I watched Chapman come into the game and it's like, what's going to happen. I mean, right. it, it wouldn't surprise me if he punch out to the side it wouldn't surprise me if four balls go to the backstop and he gives up a three spot. That's going to be interesting. How, Boach kind of threads that needle when it gets to the bullpen. I will say this. They got some some answers. They got some questions, and they got to answer them. And Scherzer's coming back. Uh, Gray is coming back. Um, boy, but do they need these four days, right? Like, I've never – everybody's been talking about having these long breaks. They're going to hurt them. If there's a team that needs this break is is the Texas Rangers. Like they, they need this break. And I think they need this break for their bullpen, the way they're going to match up guys. I would think they're going to piggyback some guys. Um, Heaney has done an incredible job, but you know, at some point it's got a break, right? Like, like Heaney hasn't, hasn't started that much. He, right. he was coming out of the bullpen before this, you know, the, the, the series. Right. So um, they've done an incredible job, man. I, I, I think that they're going to be just fine. It, it's, it's the problem is the season is a marathon. And the playoffs is a it, it, it's a it's a sprint, right? Like it, it's who can get to to twelve wins first, and and I think that they they really understand that. And Bochy is he's so good managing the bullpens. I mean, like I remember with the Giants when I was with the Padres, like he he always set you up where you you were you were like, man, this guy again. Like he knew the games that you can win, and he knew the games that were kind of 50-50. 
And he always leaned on, we're going to get the lead. And, and he knew the games that you were going to just dominate us. And he backed up a little. He backed off. So he, he really has a really good feel for that clubhouse. Okay. With the, the Texas series is over. You like Arizona to finish it. Give me Phil's, uh, your Phil's in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. They, they, just, they just announced Elder's going to be the starter against NOLA tonight. They're 1-1. One, one. Uh, what do you think? Going Man. to Philly. And 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 did you see that first series? I mean, it, it's kind of showed what it's like to have a home field advantage, and then what it's like to have a home field advantage if you're a Philadelphia Philly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, look, the Braves are in the same spot they were last year, right? Like they split the first two games in in the NLDS, um, and, and before you know dropping this game three and four in Philly. So so I, I just think like. It's so hard to see um, to see what's going on. I, I think the pitching has done an incredible job for the Phillies. Um, they just don't look good. I don't think that offense looks that good for the Braves right now. Um, they they kind of look off beat. You know, they they don't have that same spark. If there's a, a break that really hurt a team, I think it will be the Braves. Um, I still like the Phillies, man. I've said it since the beginning. I've said the only team that could beat the Braves is is the Phillies, and it's just so cool to watch when you have a bunch of dudes in a clubhouse that just really don't care about what anybody's opinion is. Like, like everybody's been Braves, 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 right? And, and, and as they should be, right? They're the best team. But when you look at this Phillies team and when you look at even the staff that they have, and, and, and when you, when you look at the staff, the coaching staff they have, they all, these dudes were all grinders and players. And then when you look at their team, they really modified the motto of, of, you know, the Castellanos, the Harper, the Real Muntos. You know, Turner has been huge for them. I just think that bullpen is so good. And, and if they can just get four or five innings from their starters, and, and obviously they're, you know, Nola and Wheeler have done an exceptional job. But they gave that game away. I mean, like, they gave they could have been they could have been going back to Philly right now, Tua. They, they gave the game away. And I just think now going back to Philly, it, it's just going to be very, very tough to beat them there. The final game on the docket is uh, Minnesota, Houston. Houston's up two to one. I, I'll tell you, Verlander. I, I had questions when he came back. I thought, okay, he's Verlander. He's he's forty plus years old now, and we know he's yeah. a first ballot Hall of Famer. But man, has he been good in his first two postseason starts? He's been he's been Verlander when he he's been a twenty five year old Verlander. You know, it looks like he turned back the clock for this. He's going to be tough if it gets back to him. Uh, so tonight it's Ryan and Urquity. Is that is, is tonight is tonight it or or you know, does, I, does Minnesota still have a chance? If the best chance for Minnesota to win is probably tonight with Urquidy's. Um I, I, I think their bullpen is still strong uh in the sense of for the Houston Astros. But when you look at this offense and when you look at this team, I mean it's just incredible. Uh, this is a team that everybody questioned. Everybody questioned, but nobody nobody had them out, right? It, it was, man, what's going on with Houston? Ah, oh, they'll be fine. You know, when, 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 post, when October comes around, they put their big boy pants on and it, they'll be fine. And I think we're seeing that. I, I, I mean, it, it's just, you know, it, it's incredible the, the pressure they put on, on opposing teams. They've been there. They've done it. Uh, Dusty Baker, you talked about, you know, the, the, the calm coolness with Bochi. Dusty's the same way. Same way. Um, yeah, same, same dude. But the, the cool things I'm seeing in this postseason, and it doesn't really get looked at, is teams that score first. 
I, I think it's such a privilege when you can score first, especially on the road. It puts all the pressure on the home fans and, and that team, the team even more, right? Because when you break them in, in, at your home ballpark early on in the first inning, it's demoralizing. Like one run feels like three runs and three runs feels like six nothing. So I, I think they've done such a good job of understanding where they're at the moment or the situation that they've really capitalized and, and, and just simply Minnesota had no answers for them. I think, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I, really, I watch these games and, and I really don't have a, a, a dog in the fight. But I look to this, Boach, one of my favorite all-time guys. Uh, Dusty, who I never played for, but I feel like I played for. He has that way about him. Uh, Houston and, and, and the experience they have on that team in the postseason versus Texas revitalized. Uh, I'm just, as a baseball fan, I'd love to see Texas Houston, you know, kind of, kind of the, uh, just that Texas rivalry. I think it'd be good for the game. Two of the iconic managers, you know, probably both hall of fame managers going at it for me personally. I'd like to see, I'd like to see those guys come together. And I think secretly everybody wants it too, right? Like the players want it. I, I think the, the, the fans want it, the, the state of Texas deep in the heart of, of Texas, right? Like the song, they want it. Um, but it would be really cool with both of these teams coming into to the year, right? To the year, it was the battle of the West. Like, who, who's going to come up on top? And and you had guys that – you had team people that were like, yeah, I still got to give it to Houston, right? They're, they're, they're the champions. Like, you got to – you got to – the belt is theirs. And here's the Texas Rangers trying to, to do their job and take it away from them. So it's going to be – I would, I'm saying it right now. It's going to be seven games. Like if the Rangers and 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 Houston's go at go at each other, it's seven games. Um, it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a tight. I mean, this this Rangers offense, man. OPS. They walk. They they slug. I mean, they can do it all right now. They work the count. It, it's not going to be just a. And I will say this too. During the year, the Rangers and Houston, they played and it felt like every score was. 13 to 12, 14 to 11. I mean, at one moment, the Rangers were winning by nine runs and Houston came back in one of those games of the series in, in, in their ballpark. So it's going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be nuts. So I'm hearing this right. Yonder's got Arizona Philly versus okay, Arizona Philly, Texas and Houston. All right. I need for the rest of the season. I'm not going to say, give me your world series chance. I'm going to say, Give me two bold predictions. Oh, bold predictions. Uh, just just tonight, like what can happen tonight or just in general? In general, I think Phillies, right. I think, the rest I think of the Phillies, it could be anything. I think Phillies win the World Series. That's bold. For me, that's uh, bold. I, yeah, I think I think Philly wins the World Series. I think they're equipped. I think they they have the the arms. They added some pieces that were that were really good. Um and, and you know, I, I, for some reason, just really like the Houston Astros going back to the World Series once again. I can't – it's not that bold because everybody kind of sees that coming. But it, it, it's just it, – it's hard. I mean, it, it's, it's hard. Could there be another combined no-hitter? I think there could be another combined no-hitter. I think that's bold. I think Wheeler has an item to go out there and, and throw yeah. seven shutties with no hits and and that nasty bullpen of take your pick, Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Kimbrell. Like, those guys can shut you down for six outs and, and, and no-hit you. So I, I'm going with that bold move. There will be another combined no-hitter in the World Series. Very cool. 
Uh, this has been a lot of fun, Yonder. I appreciate it. I love watching on MLB Network. Thank you, uh, sir. I'm a big fan, and I appreciate you coming on the Boom Podcast. For all you out there listening or watching the Boom Podcast, we're starting to add it to YouTube. I appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time.